Hello, welcome to another episode of Yappy Hour, a podcast about navigating the waters of young adulthood through discussion of pop culture, existential crises, and self-reflection. It's Leah. It's Mia. And Kat. And today we're going to be discussing identity. Basically what we experience and what we perceive uh, by being Asian Americans. So to start, uh, me and I have kind of talked about it in our adoption episode, but Kat wasn't there. So Kat, what ethnicity are you and what percent Asian? So I am a mix of Filipino, Japanese, Chinese, and I always say this, but people are like, you're lying. I'm also a little bit of German, but it's very tiny bit. So don't really identify with that side at all. But I am half Filipino and basically like almost a quarter Chinese and a quarter Japanese. Um, so my mom is full Filipino. Um, her family's from the Philippines. And then my dad is everything else. What about you, Mia? Um, well, from doing 23andMe, I know that I'm 100% Chinese. It's very interesting. Purebred. Pure you know, bread. if you were a dog, you'd be highly valued. Thank, also, you. thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Also, if you're a wizard. Yeah. Really? In Harry yeah. Potter. Oh. I wouldn't be a mudblood. I thought those are half blood. Half blood prince? A mudblood is someone who has like wizard blood and human blood. So they're called mudbloods because they're like polluted with. Muddy, muddy blood. I think Snape just called himself the Half-Blood Prince to seem all cool, but he was a mudblood, you know? <laughs> yeah, he was, man. Well, I am <laughs> I am 75% Chinese and 25% Vietnamese. How did you get to that number? You have to disclose how you got to that number. <laughs> I pricked my blood and guessed. No. <laughs> I took 23 and me as Mia did, but I, I think it's always changing, like, the accuracy and the validity of those results but for now i am 75 percent chinese and 25 percent vietnamese so i think we all have different experiences being asian american mia and leah are both adopted i am fifth generation and we also grew up in very different environments so leah and i are from hawaii which is a melting pot of a lot of different asian ethnicities it is it dates back to the plantation days when um, Chinese, Japanese, even Portuguese immigrants uh, worked on the plantations with each other and they couldn't really communicate with each other without creating a new sort of language, which is how pidgin emerged. And also a lot of their cultures and foods got mixed. So for example, there's this food called andagi and I always thought it was Okinawan because they serve it at the Okinawan festival, but it actually originated from Portugal, which I think is really interesting. And sometimes I have classmates who aren't Japanese, but they celebrate Girls' Day or they, you know, use certain Japanese words like hanabata means booger, um, if you if you know that props to you. But it's just kind of you don't necessarily think of things as strictly Chinese, Japanese, Korean. You just kind of think of it as it's your culture. That's what you're part of. So Mia, growing up, how did you see yourself? Did you see yourself as Asian American or, you know, maybe just American? Or So growing up, I because I was raised by sort of a white family and like in a predominantly white community, like I really didn't see myself as like Asian American per se. Like I really felt white. Um as weird as that is to say. Um, and then it wasn't until college, again, that I would say that I really came to terms with my Asian identity and, like, actually started meeting other Asians and, like, started learning, like, really the basics about Asian culture. Like, 
honestly as simple as like boba versus like bubble tea. You know, like I grew up calling it bubble tea and then you get to California and everyone's calling it boba. Like that was a big like, whoa. Um, or like KBBQ and like the first time I had pho was in California. So it was like all these introductions to Asian culture, all these Asian people that I just wasn't exposed to growing up. And so for me, that's when I really started to identify more as an Asian American as opposed to just this like, I don't know, in between. What about for you, Lee? I'm sure I imagine it would be similar to you, for you. So I, I think I, because I was raised in Hawaii, like Kat said, that I kind of have a mix between both of your experiences. Like at the same time, because I was raised by white parents, I kind of have that identity of not truly feeling Asian, but I also think it's magnified by my experience in Hawaii, being that it's so diverse that I never truly felt Chinese. So as Kat said, like, and I think I mentioned it actually in my adoption episode that the cultures there are just kind of a blend of all Asian cultures. And it wasn't until I came to LA and California specifically did I realize how kind of segregated they are within being Asian American and identifying those like little niches of ethnicities. Um, So I think it's also related to appearance just because I remember growing up and everyone was just Asian to me. Like I honestly couldn't look at someone and say, oh, I I think they're Japanese or I think they're Korean. It was just like a melting pot that was kind of just like Hawaii, Hawaii glasses that tainted your view of things where just everyone's the same almost. I think I also kind of glossed over it, but I think it's important to point out that I am fifth generation. So it's kind of almost like being raised by white parents, honestly. I did not feel connected to my culture at all. Um, my grandma on my dad's side is full Japanese, but she she forgot all of her Japanese language. She was alive during World War II, so you know it was kind of taboo to, to speak Japanese. So um, she kind of lost that. And I think for me as a way to try to reconnect to my Asian identity, I started learning Japanese in middle school and I actually majored in it in college. Um, But I feel like depending on the phase of my life, it's interesting because I connected to different parts of my ethnicity. So when I was really young, I think I connected more to my Filipino side because I would go to parties um, on my mom's side. We'd have big Filipino parties, very stereotypical, very loud, but we'd have uh, lots of Filipino food. It was like buffet style. Um, So that's when I really felt most Filipino. And then as I went through middle school, through high school, I felt most Japanese because I was studying Japanese. And then once I started dating my boyfriend, I felt more Chinese because he kind of taught me more about that culture, which is kind of funny because my last name is Chinese, but I barely knew anything about the Chinese culture. I think also joining a sorority, a lot of the girls in my sorority were Chinese American. So I was kind of exposed to Chinese culture that way, too. How do you kind of define Asian American, maybe with regards to appearance or even outside of it? I think that there are different kinds of Asian American. Like we already touched upon the Hawaii Asian American. But when I joined Miss Sorority, I was actually really surprised how many people in my sorority spoke their mother tongue. Even if they said, oh, I'm really terrible at it, I can't read it. But they, when they spoke, they sounded fluent to me because in Hawaii, I feel like a lot of us are third, fourth generation. So we're not as in touch with our you know, heritage. But I think there's, there's also the stereotype of like NorCal Asians and SoCal Asians. And even, you know, I feel like West Coast versus East Coast, there's different kind of Asian Americans. It just depends on the 
the culture that's most present. I think in LA, there are a lot of Chinese Americans and Korean Americans, not so much Japanese Americans, which was a big shock to me, at least because we grew up, me and Leah grew up around so many Japanese Americans. I think language is an interesting point that you brought up, Kat, because um, I do not speak Mandarin, and I know that that has been something that I've struggled with. It's it's to no one's fault, honestly, but it's just the fact that I don't speak Mandarin um, that I do feel the most disconnected, I feel like, to Chinese culture. Just, I don't know, I feel like language is something very inherent and basic and a way of communication, which is in reality, like one of the most important parts of life. And like, when I went back to China, and people would speak to me in Chinese thinking that I could speak, it was almost like embarrassing that I didn't speak Chinese or Mandarin. So for me, I think that's something that I struggle with, with my Asian American identity is the fact that I don't speak anything besides English. It, it makes me almost feel like less Asian American than my peers. It's interesting because I do speak some Mandarin. Like, I can understand such a basic level to communicate and get around, but I do still feel the same disconnect that you do. It's like, even though I can speak a very elementary level, I feel like compared to other Chinese Americans, I'm not Asian American in their eyes. It's like, I don't speak this at home. I can't communicate to my parents. And I feel like I just wasn't raised Asian. And so I feel like that almost displaces me in that subculture. And so I think for me, like kind of outside physical appearance of being Asian, the traits of being Asian American definitely are tied to language and almost the sense of like family and how the culture that you were raised in and kind of, kind of that upbringing of being Asian in an Asian culture. I think another big thing for being Asian American is definitely the the first slash second generation experience. Um, All of us are in the Facebook group Subtle Asian Traits. And sometimes I'll see things that I know what it means, but I just can't personally connect to it. Like there's a lot of stories of kids who would do their parents' taxes when they were younger because their parents didn't understand English or, you know, kids being embarrassed that their parents couldn't speak English growing up. But then they realize, you know, They had come to America and given up everything just for their kids' lives. And they felt that pressure to become successful and go to college and become a doctor, become a lawyer. And I think all of us can agree that we never had that pressure. Like my parents worked really hard to get where they are, but it's not like they moved to a different country, not knowing the language started from nothing. So I think it almost feels like having that privilege kind of betrays the Asian American identity because I... I really had a head start from all these other people. I feel like even just not becoming a doctor or a lawyer, sometimes I feel like I'm not taking advantage of my resources, but I never felt that pressure to make something bigger than what my parents were. So I don't remember where I saw this, but there was this kind of statement about being an immigrant to to America versus being first generation, which I kind of consider being born in the States. So being an immigrant, which is typically the parents, they kind of have this pressure to to just survive. Like that's their focus. Whereas it's a privilege, but it's also really hard. It's like a different type of challenge as a first generation or maybe um, an Asian American who was born here that you have this privilege to almost like fulfill what your parents couldn't do. And it's like just two completely different types of existential crises and like purposes in life that 
where one is like a privilege and the other is just based on survival and the other is like self-exploration and purpose. I agree. I think the way that we should define first generation just for the sake of continuity for our show is like first generation is like you might have come here from a different country, but the life that you've established here is your first generation. But I think it's interesting like you, what you said. It's just like there's so many different types of first generation. And I hate to bring this back to like my boyfriend, but it's true. Like his family is a way he's a d- way different Asian American than I am. And we still fall under the same title of Asian American, where it's like what Kat was saying was like he's very much more responsible for like his mom and like you know doing those things like doing their taxes and like translating it's like um he fits a more i guess like hardcore version of asian american whereas like for me i feel like i've kind of had things handed to me where i'm given this title of asian american and it's kind of been like a luxury like there's no hardships that come with it you know whereas like for first generation real first generation uh, asian american is like they went through hell and back to get here and they put in the work to earn that title and I'm just sort of given it and it feels it's this weird like I don't I don't really feel feely full like I deserve that like honor you know like to call myself a first generation all I did was really be born like I didn't have to cross borders I didn't have to like fight poverty or do any of that so it is weird sometimes to call myself first generation Asian American yeah none of us are have that experience and we have talked about being disconnected to that identity not just Asian American but also from just being Asian and I think that even the people who have had different experiences from us still do struggle with that identity because they want to they don't know how to balance their parents culture and their culture that they're being raised in so I think we can all agree that being Asian American is can be tough no matter what kind of Asian American you are there's always struggles Here's a little question for you, Leah. Like, given that, given our Asian American status, like, what kind of qualities would you sort of pass on to your children if you decide to have children one day? Like, how would you sort of teach them to be Asian American, given that we've had a different experience in that regard? I feel like a lot of it ties into how my mom raised me because she is white. And we lived in Hawaii, which is heavily Asian influenced. So I feel like most of what I learned about being Asian was just through Hawaii. It wasn't necessarily my mom. And maybe she did like encourage me to celebrate Girls' Day, Chinese New Year, kind of the traditional holidays that um, are celebrated in my Chinese culture. Or I think Girls' Day is Japanese, but in Asian culture. Um, So I feel like it's going to be really hard for me to kind of translate that Chinese culture to my kids because I don't have a good foundation of it. So I just can't imagine myself making those ties for my children, like be it making dumplings or celebrating Chinese New Year traditionally, like with firecrackers or the, I don't know, the circle characters. Like, I don't know. Um, So I think it'll be really hard for me to reconcile that. What about you, Kat? Like, considering that you are coming from an Asian family like how do you plan on passing down your asian culture if you decide to have children so japanese people they're very there are certain japanese words i've forgotten now because i haven't studied japanese for like two years but they're just words for these values like fly of piety um just like a perseverance like basically japanese are just very persistent and determined with what they do and i think i want to teach those types of qualities to my kids 
in terms of like holidays or like traditions, I do want to teach them. I never really grew up around it, but I've learned about it from my Japanese class and my Japanese friends. But honestly, if I'm not marrying someone who's familiar with those traditions, it's also hard to kind of carry on. I think that might be why, even given that I'm three different Asian ethnicities, that's probably why I never really learned about them because my parents didn't really have that connection. Like they came from such different Asian backgrounds that there wasn't really a way to include all of it while we grew up. How about you, Mia? Yeah, I, I feel similarly like I feel it's more important to pass down the values of what these cultures teach us rather than the actual like physical holidays. That being said, like I love Asian food and I think a big part of like if I were to have children would be to like teach them about the culture through food um, just because that's really how I came to terms with my Asian identity is just through food and sharing food and like, you know, trying foods of all these different cultures and really learning about the cultures through that. Um, so for me, it'd be really important to make sure that they're open to all different kinds of tastes and for that and in turn all different types of perspectives. Cause I feel like, they go hand in hand um, and then celebrate the holidays that fit our lifestyle. So obviously like Lunar New Year, that would be pretty important, but like kind of the small religious stuff, like I, I'm not religious, so I don't, I wouldn't feel a need to like go to temple and stuff like that. Um, but yeah, mostly passing on the, the values and um, just making sure that they, they feel comfortable with their identity, most importantly. So you talked about how food kind of was a starting point for you and, really recognizing and resonating with that Asian identity. Do you feel like now for six years living in LA that you are connected to your Chinese heritage and your maybe Asian roots more so than you were prior? I don't know necessarily. I'm more connected to my Chinese roots just because like I did grow up with like dim sum. Like I, I was familiar with like cart dim sum and stuff i feel like i'm more connected as a whole to chinese or sorry to asian culture in general like the first again like the first time i had kbbq was in is was in los angeles the first time i had pho was in los angeles the first time i had real ramen was in los angeles like i feel like there's so many staples to so many of the cultures where i've had their national food for the first time here where i feel like i have a better understanding of general asian culture um as far as to say, like, I have a better idea of Chinese culture, I'm not sure. I feel like probably Chinese culture is what I have the weakest grip on, to be completely frank. But um, I do feel more comfortable just, like, hanging out in a group of Asians knowing, like, we can bond over Sunabu or something like that, you know? What about you, Kat? Do you feel like you're connected? I think yes and no. I feel like... Growing up around so many Asian people in Hawaii, it was it was just different here, I guess. I actually also hadn't had some sum or K-barbecue until I came to LA, which was kind of surprising for a lot of other people. Um, but I think what was really different about coming to LA and meeting Asian Americans here was just how – when I realized how different my experience was growing up, like I wasn't – as in touch with my Chinese side. So when I uh, would hang out with my sorority sisters and they would ask me if I knew this or if I knew that, I had no idea what a mooncake was. They're like, oh, it's the mooncake festival. I'm like, what's that? I don't know. They would kind of be like, what? How do you not know about this? Like, really? And then when something 
like a Japanese holiday came up where we were eating Japanese food and they had never tried it before. I'm like, really? Like, this is really common. Like, how have you not heard about this? So I think that's when I became really aware how different, different types of Asian Americans there are. It was also interesting because I feel like I always tell my sorority sisters that I'm really just American. I'm not really that Asian. Like, I'm more white, Caucasian, you know, my German side, my 116th German. But when I talk to my coworkers who who aren't Asian and I'm like, oh, yeah, we should go get hot pot sometime. And they ask, what is hot pot? I'm just like, I gave them a look and I, I don't mean to. And I'm just like, how do you not know what hot pot is? So I feel like I just kind of do the same thing to them that was happening that happened to me but sometimes it's just it's amazing how you can live in your own little world like I thought Hawaii Asian was the only type of Asian out there like as ignorant as that is to say but how about you Leah? So I because I studied Mandarin and Chinese throughout elementary to college I feel like I have a very like basic level and like textbook level almost textbook education of Chinese culture So I can understand when I interact with people who were raised in the culture, where they're coming from and maybe what they're talking about. I almost feel like because I wasn't raised in the same environment, it's almost like my opinion is discounted somehow, that it's not as valid or that I maybe can't say, oh, I understand or I agree or that I celebrate this as well. So to the the degree that I feel connected, I think it's just very like textbook if that makes sense. It's very whatever I could read about or learn about, but it's not what I've experienced. And I think that's kind of what makes me feel disconnected at times. You kind of feel like an imposter. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Exactly. Do you guys ever feel like you have to overcompensate being Asian to like, to like prove to other Asians that you're Asian? Does that make sense? You know what I mean? Like, do you ever feel like you have to go out of your way to try to be more Asian to just like prove like, I swear I'm Asian, you know, like I know what you're talking about or something like that. Something that I did when we went to dim sum with our friends back in Hawaii was I was like, I really want chicken feet. Just like to put that out there, I eat chicken feet. It's a really weird thing to eat. It's really Chinese, but I eat it. Like I felt like I needed to show them like, yeah, I go to dim sum all the time. Like I totally know what we're doing when it was actually the first time I went to dim sum at home. I had only been in L.A. Yeah, I totally feel like I do try to overcompensate sometimes. I also feel like even outside of like my Asian peers, sometimes I feel like I have to do it with uh, people of other ethnicities. It's like, oh, well, you were raised by white parents. Like, and th- a lot of people just judge me by my last name. Like, you're not even Asian. Like, you're a white Asian or it's just like almost discounted. It's like I have to just prove myself on both regards. Um, and sometimes that can be frustrating, but I, I do find myself doing it definitely. Yeah, I agree. Like, I'll go out to dinner with people that aren't Asian, and I feel like I have to be, like, the lead person there, where I'm like, I swear, like, I know what I'm doing, even though I don't know what you want to order, I'll figure it out, and, like, I'll just act like I know what everything. So, yeah, I definitely feel like sometimes I have to overcompensate for being Asian just to prove that, like, I, sw- I promise I am Asian through and through, but it is it is an interesting <laughs> relationship with Asian. On the flip side of that, do you ever feel like you have to prove you're not as Asian as you look? I had this really awkward Uber ride the other day where I don't know if he did this on purpose, but I kind of felt attacked where he was talking to me about some book that some guy read and he was like, yeah, he um he explained why Asians are better at math because everyone's always wondered that. And I just 
I had to keep myself from rolling my eyes and I had to listen to this terrible story about something about rice patties and like waking up earlier in the day and that's why Asians are more determined because it's ingrained in their culture to wake up earlier than everyone else and leave later than everyone else and I was like I really think resilience depends on the person which I guess is kind of hypocritical to say now because I said I wanted to teach the Japanese values of perseverance but I just think trying to connect that to Asians being better at math I was like Maybe their education system is just better. I think the most offensive conversations I've had about being Asian have been in Ubers and in taxi cabs. Honestly, like hands down, like they just feel like it's their place to ask anything based on the way they see me for the 30 minute drive and like my name. Like I've had the most questions asked in an Uber and I'm like, I don't even know you. Like, why are you asking my parents are Asian? Like, I don't know you. But yeah, I don't know. Taxi... Taxi cabs and Uber drivers just, those are the worst. I just try to be quiet. I'm just like, yeah. Sometimes I lie, honestly. Sometimes I'll lie and just say like, yeah, my parents are Asian. I was born in the States. I don't speak Mandarin. That's it. Like, I just want to get it out of the way so they don't ask me any more questions. Because if I say, oh, I was raised by white people, then they want to ask how. And then they want to know why I don't speak Mandarin. And they want to know why I'm living in New York. And it's just like a string of, the saga I don't want to go into. So... Yeah, I feel like sometimes it's just easier to not go into the details of your Asian American experience because how are they going to understand, honestly? But <laughs> Leah, have you ever been asked a dreaded question? So where are you from? Oh, the famous question. Um, or where are you really from? That's where are your parents from? I feel like I, I genuinely can't remember a time, but I feel like it's because I try to attack that to start i'm just like oh i'm from hawaii but i was born in china and adopted like i just kind of answer that question to kind of be proactive about it to prevent other future questions one time i was asked in line for a bar i i think i was asked if i was i don't know some type of asian and i just looked him dead in, dead in the face and i was like no and he was like oh okay well are you are you Russian? And I knew he was totally joking. And I just said, yes. And he just he just kind of looked at me and he was he like tried to keep the conversation going. And I was like, man, you got you got to like let it go. Like if I said I was that Asian, what were you going to ask me next? Like one time in a supermarket, this guy stopped me and it was so annoying. I just wanted to buy food. And he said he asked me about something in my cart. And then he asked me where I was from. I, I lied. I said, no, I'm from Los Angeles. And he said, where your parents are from? I lied. I said, also from Los Angeles. And he, he gives me that look and he's about to say it. And I was like, oh, God. He's like, where are they really from? And I was like, Los Angeles. He's like, your grandparents? Los Angeles. <laughs> and then finally, he got to the question that he'd been dying to ask. So what are you? Like, are you are you Chinese, Japanese? I was like, I'm Filipino. He's like, so can you sing? And I was like, good God. <laughs> Good no. God. And I was like, mm, no, I got to go now. Bye. I feel like they're entitled to so much information. It's so yeah. frustrating. I, I feel like that that last comment, do you saying it just kind of ties into like the stereotypes of mm. Asian Americans. So like we can just briefly talk about that. Like what stereotypes have you experienced and kind of do they hold true to you? What yeah. have you? Yeah. What have you experienced with those Asian American stereotypes? I feel like I experienced racism like so young and like I tried like I once had a conversation with my mom more, more recently as an adult and like someone in a grocery store like said something that was questionable and she was like do you get that a lot and I was like yeah literally like all the time like people are racist to me all the time and she was honestly shocked that like I experienced that degree of racism on like on like close to a daily basis but it's true it's like it gets to the point where it's like you're so 
I don't know, what's the word? Um, desensitized to like these racist remarks where like I don't even I'm not even like as impacted by them but I remember growing up like kids always used to do like the the eye squinty thing where they put their eyes up put their eyes down and then be like oh look at me I'm me and stuff like that so that was like racism at a very young age then like you get to like middle school you get the name calling like ping ping and ching ching and like yeah you get that stuff um high school it's just like High school's high school, honestly, everyone's mean. Um, and then college, you just get, like, these really, like, problematic questions that come off, like, very subtly, like, you know. Microaggressions. Microaggressions. Like, do you eat chicken feet? Like, that kind of stuff, like what you're saying. But, um, yeah, even, like, when Leah, like, I remember one day we were walking in Silver Lake and, like, these couple of guys were sitting outside and they just turned around and they bowed to us. Like, it's just, like, those kinds of stuff where you're, like, it's not enough for you to put your energy and respond to them because you don't want to give them that gratification. But it's also like, why do they think that's okay? Like, what, what, in what lesson did they learn that you should do that? You know, like, why even go through the effort of right. doing that? Like, what were they trying to accomplish? Or like, I get ni hao all the time. Like, people always be like ni hao, and it's like, okay, yeah, you know how to say hello in giant. Like, good for you. Like, what do you want me to say to that? Like, you know, it's just like that stuff where they're trying to get a rise out of you, but it's like. I don't know. There's just, there's, I don't know, ever know how to respond to those. But it's, again, I've become so de- desensitized to it that I don't even really get bothered by it. What about you guys? Do you guys face microaggressions? It's not so much like racism, but it's some people are just so concerned. And these people are not Asian. They're concerned with what Asian I am because I am mixed. And so sometimes it can be hard to tell, but it's just like, why is it so important to you? Do I ask you what type of what 12 different types of white you are like no I I can see that you are you and like I'm me like why if you find out I'm Japanese or Chinese like what are you going to say next like oh one time I went to Japan or like I love Chinese food like I don't really care like honestly I don't see how this is relevant at all for you like what this knowledge what you will gain from this knowledge I feel like I'm just the type of person that laughs it off that I'm just like oh they didn't mean it offensively like whatever like I just don't get offended because I'm just so bad with conflict like I, I remember that time we were walking to an apartment and someone was like konnichiwa and I was like fuck you I'm not even Japanese so on the flip side of kind of us being stereotyped do we think that we stereotype others who are not Asian for example Kat you said that you don't really think past that dude being 12 other 12 other ethnicities or variations of white but do we have any stereotypes that we hold against non-Asians I, I I truly feel like and I I don't mean to be negative but like I truly feel like stereotyping like comes somewhat natural to like the human brain like we automatically categorize people once we see them and that's just based off of appearance I don't necessarily think you have to vocalize those categorizations, which is where it gets problematic. But, like, I do think you make rash judgments on people based on first impressions. And, like, I, there's nothing wrong with that. Like, people don't know who I am, so they immediately, like, are trying to guess what kind of Asian I am. That's fine. But, like, it becomes a problem when they start talking and labeling you and, like, yeah, making assumptions about you when they don't really know you. So, like, yes, I do stereotype people when I meet them, but I'm just never one to vocalize them because I don't think that's appropriate. I think an interesting topic on Asian stereotypes is how Asians are, like, fetishized. Like, you know, you always hear about this guy having yellow fever, but why do you think it's okay for us to say or us not to say that we like Asian men, but it's weird when – non-Asian guys say that they really like Asian girls. Like, I guess 
What is the difference between those two things? Well, I know that the idea of having Asian or yeah, having yellow fever comes from the idea of like comfort women, like Asian women were considered like comfort women. So like side side hose to like marriages and stuff. And the idea was that like all these like delicate Asian women were there to like take care of the male and like their ego and everything. So I think when nowadays people say that they have yellow fever, it's this idea like they like this idea of like having a caretaker and like someone that's like an Asian woman that's fragile and pure and like almost like porcelain like. Um, So it has a negative connotation for that idea but I think guys that are just into Asian girls like I don't have a problem with that like we even had I remember seeing groups in college of like all Asian people and then like a white person or it's like they just they just felt more comfortable in that Asian group and that's fine like I'm not one to judge but like I do think there's a clear distinction with like a guy that just like has sex with Asian girls and like a guy that actually wants to be a part of Asian culture yeah I also took an Asian American class basically it talked about how Asian women are really sexualized and Asian men are really emasculated. And I think that was really interesting too because it's just – I wonder if it's just American culture that does that or if it's like a widespread thing, you know? Like why is it that Asian women are so exotic and Asian men are are seen as so undesirable? I think that's obviously really unfair and I think – I don't – I don't think I've ever experienced the consequences of that. I don't think I've ever had someone who tried to date me just because I'm Asian or I don't really know of any guys who are rejected just because they're Asian. But I thought it was an interesting topic to bring up. And I think it's also an interesting topic of interracial relationships and how sometimes when you see, I don't know if people have this view generally, but some people think that when they see like an Asian girl with a white guy, they're like, okay, yeah, I get it. But then when they see an Asian guy with a white girl, they're like, whoa, like what's happening here? Like, why is she with him? This makes no sense. So I think that kind of sucks that this kind of stereotype is perpetuated because it does, it really takes away from people being able to make connections with each other just based on race. I feel like what you said about Asians being stereotyped kind of as Americans, but maybe not in their own culture is interesting because I think that on the flip side, in Asian culture, there's such a stereotype about foreigners in general. And so I think just in general, people are not very well accustomed and willing to change or be receptive to people with differences. And I think that's just kind of a cultural thing, which ties back to a lot of why people think it's okay to bow to us or shout Asian slang at us where they, I don't know, where I don't know where they get that from, but I feel like it's just differences that they're not willing to explore or understand. I think that's also why uh, you and Emilio are really privileged to grow up in Hawaii because you kind of just have this not even just tolerance, but more like acceptance and like an invitation to other cultures. Like I don't think, I think we, there are stereotypes for sure in Hawaii, but I think we also all kind of make fun of our own ethnicities. Like you, there's so many jokes about like being Japanese, being Portuguese, like all of those things, but we just kind of laugh at it. And at the end of the day, it's not a huge thing. But then if you come here, like you can't really say those racial jokes because they'll come off the wrong way. And we can see why, because there's so much more segregation and not as much understanding or dialogue between different cultures that it's seen as more of an insult than like a way to unite people and laugh at each other. That's a really interesting point and something that I was always been curious about. Like, how do you feel about interracial like 
kind of derogatory terms being thrown around. Like, so, like, I know this comes up a lot with, like, the African-American community using the N-word with each other. But, like, I've seen a lot with Asian cultures where, like, you'll use sort of derogatory terms in reference to each other. Like, fob, for example. Like, fob is is fresh off the boat. But I've heard a lot of Asians refer to other Asians as, like, oh, they're so fobby. But, like, if a white person were to say that, it would be so racist. And so I've always just been, like curious to know like what's that line where like obviously no one's out going out calling each other like chink because that would be really messed up but like there is a line of like yeah asians can kind of be racist to each other which is is weird i don't know i think it is weird i think it's just because you're part of a friend group i think it's almost like if i were to insult one of you you'd be like oh that's funny but if some stranger were to come and say the same thing you'd be like i don't even know you like what are you saying to me so maybe it's that sense of like you're part of a group and since you can you both understand this term and what it encompasses and the impacts of it maybe that's why it's okay to say it like the other person knows that when you say that you're not trying to bash on them there's a derogatory term for Japanese people it's Japs and it was used during World War II and I think that's very offensive when people say that but I think some people actually just try to try to shorten the phrase Japanese to Jap they really don't mean in that in that way so I really just take the time to be like hey you shouldn't you shouldn't say that it's really bad and I think some people are just unaware so I think also sometimes we jump to conclusions when we hear people say those type of terms like they really might not know the impact of it so I think it's also just like patience with people because you know they really might not know the effect that it has on other people like I think as Mia mentioned, like the N word is not something that is said every day, but sometimes if you grow around certain people or if you grow around in certain communities, you'd be comfortable with saying it. And I don't think we should necessarily like look down on those people. I think we should educate them and let them know, hey, it's not really okay to say that around here. Like I understand you grew up with that word and I understand you're not using it in a derogatory term, but you need to understand that when other people hear you say it, it's not a good thing. So talking about being raised in different communities, um, do you think, how do you think you'd be different if you just say you were raised in China? Like, would that change everything about you or would that just change the language that you speak? Like, It's a heavy question. That's so existential. I think that's just like a nature versus nurture question. I'm... I think it'd be really different, honestly. Uh, yeah, I don't think that there'd be one aspect of our life that would be similar. Mm. I think it would be, yeah, 100% different for me. For for but for us, like, most likely, like, our families were poor, so we probably wouldn't have had the education that we have, and we probably would have been, honestly, like, married off by now and had family and, you know lived in rural china so yeah i think it would have been completely different i for sure would have spoke mandarin though so i guess that's a win (laughs) (laughs) i think that kind of plays into the existential crisis i have sometimes which is being raised in america and whereas my alternative could have been being raised in china am i doing the most that i can with this privilege that i'm given and that's something that i kind of always ask myself like whether it's work if i'm feeling uncomfortable whether it's just like physically being so privileged to live in la and like be encouraged to do my own thing and have like my parents support it's just kind of something that i question like would this have been different 
if I were raised by an Asian household or like traditional Asian or even in China. And that's something that's hard to kind of understand where that difference comes in. What about, um, and I'm just thinking of this question, but like, what about, do you ever feel like torn, not so much identity wise, but like physically Asian versus traditionally Asian? I don't know if that makes sense. Like, do you get what I'm saying? Like, there have been things that I've come across being Asian where I was like, wow, this is very Asian that I've never paid attention to because of the way that I was raised. For example, when I got my eyebrows microbladed, like that had never crossed my mind until I realized I have thin to nothing eyebrows. And then I was like, most people have this or like even hair on your body. Like I have no hair on my body basically. And that is just a result of me being like genetically Asian. But like you don't think about these things on a day-to-day basis. (laughs) But you know, like certain qualities like that, like there are things that make us physically Asian, like even our eyes, like double eyelid versus monolid, like small things like that where like we're so obviously Asian, but like we don't notice those things until it's pointed out to us. I think being... Uh, a melting pot of Asians I actually people have trouble identifying those like universal traits on me so I studied abroad in Japan uh, a few years back for about half a year and I just remember so many locals would stare at me because they were trying to figure out am I Japanese or not and then a lot of them would try to speak English to me first and then when I would spawn in Japanese they would say like oh oh, you can speak Japanese, like, this is really shocking. But then other people would start off by saying, like, oh, you look really Japanese. You look like you're from here. And I'm like, I don't I don't get it. Like, do I look like an outsider or not? Because everyone just stares at me and they kind of just look at me like I'm this, like, strange thing. I think it's because they can't categorize me. They're like, is she from here or is she foreign? Like, I don't know. And I think that kind of scares them in a way because Japan is a very, like, homogenous place. You usually can spot an outsider from a mile away. So I think for me, it's it's more just I have certain traits from like different parts of my Asian identity. So it just kind of creates this new creature, per se, that people are kind of confused by. Do people ever point out certain physical traits on you where you're like, oh, like, I didn't know that people noticed that. I once had some girl, she was Hispanic, say like, my eyes were really squinty. And I know she didn't mean it in a derogatory sense she was like I smiled and she was like wow your eyes are like really squinty and I was like to me I don't see my eyes like I just see out of my eyes I don't see them as squinty so it's like I know these people pick up on things and like for example not to bring it up again but when I got my eyes my eyebrows microbladed like so many people were like wow like we had no idea that like you even had eyebrows in a way like honestly like they were just so thin it's like there's so many Asian physical qualities that I don't even realize about myself until it's so like abruptly pointed out to me. This is going to be a weird one, but my boyfriend told me I had white people legs. And what he meant was that he noticed that a lot of Asian girls, like the space between their calf and their ankle is very small. And the longer that space is, the more athletic that person is. If you look at, you know, um, the fastest people in the Olympics. If you look at their legs, they have a lot of space between their calves and their ankles. And that also means that they can jump very high. And so when he looked at my legs, he's like, yeah, you have those kind of legs. You don't have Asian legs. And I was just like so baffled. I was like, I mean, I know I have nice legs, but <laughs> but what it, what are Asian legs? So then I started looking at like everyone in my sorority, every Asian girl I met, I started looking at their legs. I'm like, oh, 
that's a thing. Like, I didn't know that. I know like people will say that certain races are better at running, better at sports. And I think it really is true because of those certain traits. Like just they're very arbitrary, but they make all the difference. For me, I actually think it's kind of the opposite that I feel like I physically like just my body type, I feel like I'm not Asian sometimes. Like I kind of have a bigger chest and I'm like more muscular than like a traditional Chinese girl that you might see in China. And so sometimes I almost feel like physically I don't feel Asian despite like my eyes and like those features. And sometimes that makes me feel like bad almost about myself, like almost like body issues, probably self-esteem and things like that, that there's this like idea that Asian Americans are like almost skinnier and like pretty like slim and things like that and so that kind of on the flip side affects me what about even like the idea of tanning because like to a lot of asians the idea that if you're dark it means that you have you work in the field and you're like poor like the more pale you are the richer you are which for me i grew up the opposite like i wanted to be tan so like i feel like i completely differ differed from like traditional asians where i was like yeah bring on the sun give me that spf 15 but I was like, no hat for me. I want to get tanned. Whereas, like, I go to, you know, China and everyone's, like, head to toe in, like, long sleeves and pants and it's, like, 100 degrees out. I'm like, what what the heck? Yeah, I definitely have friends who will go to the beach in, like, a jacket and with an umbrella. And I'm like, excuse me, like, what are you doing? Well, okay, these friends are in Los Angeles. At home, that would never happen. And I think uh, Leah and I, since we're from Hawaii, being tan is very – desired it's very it shows that you're outside a lot shows that you know you go to the beach a lot you live a pretty carefree life um it also can show that you're very outdoorsy you like to go hiking you like to be active um so for me i i wish i was tanner i just sit in an office all day so i feel pretty pale right now but i think it's interesting how some of my friends they'll will be out in the sun for like two seconds they're like oh my god i'm gonna get tan i need to go in the shade i'm like calm down like the sun is good for you you are meant to have 15 minutes of sun every day like you need to chill like if you tan easily you probably get pale easily because that's the case for me so i think i think it's just really interesting how a lot of cosmetics have like whitening or brightening features like i i steer clear of those because i think it's kind of a natural to try to make your skin lighter honestly oh yeah um leah you mentioned once that you watched a documentary on uh like the cosmetics and how they were used to make uh like i think in the filipino co- uh, makeup industry to make skin lighter and i think you said there is mercury in it yeah i watched this brief like little short documentary on youtube about how lightening your skin is so desirable in the philippines i believe um and that people would go to such extreme lengths to buy like um, off-market whitening products, um, IVs even that kind of inject you with chemicals and things that will slow your melanin growth. And it's unknown to them, but to us, it's mercury, I believe. And so those just being exposed to such high levels of mercury are actually so bad for your health, just despite the cultural idea that lighter skin is better. But as Kat said, like we're from Hawaii. And so I definitely grew up with the idea that being tan is more desirable and like setting aside tanning time and like actively trying to become dark, which is something that's very contrary to like what traditional Asian Asians think. It always like amazes me how people nowadays want like bigger lips, bigger hips, bigger everything. But back then it was like small, small, small. So I think we all handle our Asian American identity differently, but I think the moral 
at the end is just to be more comfortable with your version of Asian American, um, whatever that may be. And it's okay if you feel differently about your identity than other people. It just means that you're a little bit more unique and we should all be okay with that. So um, yeah, that's about it for this episode. Um, And we hope you enjoy tuning in and that you continue to tune in next week. And be sure if you have any questions or feedback to hit us up on our Instagram, yappyhour.podcast. Um, and that's the best way to reach us. So look forward to hearing from you guys in the future. And um, thanks for tuning in. Thank you. Bye. Bye.